0: Hello, and welcome to another edition of Tapeheads 80s Music and Beyond. How is everybody doing today? Fantastic. How about you? Pretty good. We've been talking about taking requests from people, and tonight is our first request that we're doing, courtesy of my friend Mike from here in Portland. Excellent. He requested West End Girls by the Pet Shop Boys, which we were, of course, happy to oblige.
1: Not my favorite Pet Shop Boys song. Isn't it? I like the song Opportunities. I do too. Same album. You got the brain. I got the brawn. Let's make lots of money. Other way around. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Maybe it's not my favorite.
0: (laughs) Neil's the one with the brains. (laughs) Okay. I love this song. This might actually be my favorite Pet Shop Boys song, but I love Opportunities also, and I love, oh, from this same album, it's uh, Suburbia.
1: Great one. Cool. Well, we will get to West End Girls right after this.
0: So, this song was written in 1984 and had a first single release in 1984. Oh, you know what? Here's a funny thing. I looked up where they came up with the name Pet Shop Boys. I forget what they were called before, but they came up with the name Pet Shop Boys. And they thought it sounded like an American hip-hop group, like a rap group. Oh, really? Yeah. Even in 1984, that didn't sound like a hip-hop group.
1: These guys met in a music store in 81. Mm. Uh, Neil Tennant and Chris Lowe did. Neil Tennant was purchasing a Korg MS-10 synth. Oh, wow. And he sparked a (laughs) conversation with Lowe, and they discovered that they had the same uh, musical interests in disco and electronic music, and they became friends. And uh, Bob's your uncle. No,
0: Bob is your uncle.
1: Okay, he's my uncle, but uh, then they, they just got together, and they started writing songs, and the rest is history.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Sir? That's amazing, sir.
1: So, you know, I'm trying to think. I don't quite remember the first time I heard this song, but I think it was when I was going to dances and stuff as an early teenager.
0: That would have been 86. The 84 version never really caught on here. The
1: yeah, 84 version, which, okay, so let's let's go back here a little oh, okay. bit. So Bobby Orlando was a producer, and he did this the first version of this song. And yeah, I don't think it was released here in the United States. It was not. It was just released in England, so we've never heard it. I have listened to it. Have you listened
0: to it? I have listened to it, too.
1: Yeah, it's really kind of a goofy version of the song. When they're singing it, do you notice that they're kind of singing it fast and having a hard time getting the lyrics out? Just because you hear the other version all of these years, when they do this other version, it's a little bit faster, and it just it seems like he's having a hard time getting all the lyrics out. And also, I think that he, when he goes to the next line, it just it seems like he should have did it in two tracks where he kind of overlaps himself, doesn't do that. But uh, it's an interesting
0: version. You mean in the parts where it goes from the rap to the singing?
1: Uh, I c- can't quite remember. Just to a different line of the song. Too many shadows, whispering voices, faces on posters. Too many choices: if, when, why, what, how much have you got? Have you got it? Do you get it? If so, how often? Which do you choose: a hard or soft
0: option? Yeah, because I'm sure doing this live in 1984, we're going from the rap right into the chorus, you know, where he's singing. That's a pretty quick turnaround time, and there's not much in the way of, you know, ability to take a breath or fit in something like that in there. So, yeah, he was, I'm sure they were working that out in the studio, too.
1: And who knows what kind of equipment they were working with back mm-hmm. then? Actually, I do know what they were working with.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, they, had an S-
1: they had an SSL board, oh, and uh, um, I don't remember what the tape player was or the tape machine was, but they, I mean, they, have, they had enough tracks. So I don't know why they did that. Maybe it's a timing thing as far as money went. But
0: I'm sure on the 84 version or the 86? I'm talking about
1: the 84 version. But the 86 version.
0: That's the one everyone knows and loves.
1: Yeah. So actually, and I don't know if you want to talk about that. I know I have all of the instruments that they use for yeah, that. Sure, let's hear. Interesting. It. Yeah, yeah. You want to hear it now? Yeah. So they they went to a different producer for this, and they had to do some finagling with the money and everything to get away from from Bobby Orlando. And you know what he did? He did a whole bunch of their songs. Like he he did the Opportunity song.
0: But anyway. Did he do the whole album? He must have, right?
1: I, I don't know. I don't know that for sure. I think
0: it sounds all similar. You know, sounds like it would be him.
1: So they found this other producer named Stephen Hag, and they recorded this with a uh, Oberheim DMX drum machine. That was what the drums were. All right. The strings were an emu emulator.
0: Hey, 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 <laughs> We know what that is.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, And they were as a one and a two. And we, we learned that number two was used in the... um. Ferris Bueller's Day Off movie. Hello? Hi. Hi, Ferris. How's your bod?
0: <coughs> oh, my God. You're dying? Uh-oh. <laughs> right. And also used by Trevor Rabin on 90125. All
1: right. There we go. The base was an emulator to a, DX, a Yamaha DX7 and a Roland Jupiter 6. Oh, wow. All midied together so that... When it was pressed with one finger, they all three triggered at the exact same time.
0: I mean, the bass is really super cool on this, the bass part. kind of makes the song.
1: Cowbell was an emulator too and a Roland MSQ-700. I'm not familiar with the Roland.
0: Neither am I, actually. Are you? No, okay. I'm not, not at all.
1: And the jazz trumpet was an emulator as well, and purposely they played some wrong notes to make it sound more like jazz. And the traffic noise at the very beginning of the song Was recorded on a Sony Walkman
0: Wow Or did they just go outside the studio and Probably Yeah And then
1: Helena Springs sang background vocals And they put it in the emulator And flew it in in various uh, parts of
0: the song Is she famous for this, or is she known in some other way?
1: Well, she was a background singer for Bob Dylan.
0: Oh wow! Okay.
1: And was in a relationship with him for a while, and she sang backup live for a bunch of different artists.
0: Okay. So she was like the Cheryl Crow of her time.
1: Sure, except I don't think I don't think she stole everything from the people that <laughs> wrote the songs and eventually caused them to commit suicide, a la Kevin Gilbert. <laughs>
0: That's a show for another day.
1: We're talking about the, the the Tuesday night music club that she was a member of, and a bunch of people got together and kind of ended up writing her first album for her, not meaning to actually do that.
0: But yeah, we are going to do that in a future episode because it's an unbelievable story.
1: All and that, that's all I have for the, the kind of the instruments that they used. To, okay. to build this song
0: okay should we go through the lyrics we do like to do that and i think this song is a good one
1: we do i, I can do that it's kind of funny though there was not a fair light in this song
0: <laughs> they used one and they owned one but it's not on this album i think it's on their next one after this because it's got that telltale orchestra hit Like, I remember on uh, Domino Dancing, I think is the song that has that on. I'm like, oh, okay. So I actually looked up Pet Shop Boys Fairlight, and sure enough. Yeah, there you go. It's there. They actually sold it not too long ago. It was for sale recently. It went for like seven grand. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, still. 40-year-old thing. And
1: what's funny about it, you can download an emulator on a PC for
0: $0. <laughs> it's not the same. No, but it, it,
1: the outcome is the same.
0: Yeah, well, exactly. Well, and really, I mean, the fact that I'm sitting here using logic, it works the same as. It
1: was a precursor for everything we, we do nowadays. Yeah,
0: everything modern is kind of a springboard from that. So
1: here are the lyrics to West End Girls. Sometimes you're better off dead, there's a gun in your hand and it's pointing at your head, which was a lyric that he had come up with. Who's the singer? Uh That's Neil Neil So this is a lyric that Neil came up with uh, in a dream, I think it was And he wanted to write that down and use it in a song Well, here you go
0: The story I heard was that he was sitting around watching a movie Like an old gangster movie Maybe that's what it was And he was just kind of sitting there and it popped in his head And he's like, oh, that's pretty good
1: So let me read this again because I love the way this flows anyway Okay Sometimes you're better off dead. There's a gun in your hand and it's pointing at your head. You think you're mad. Too unstable. Kicking in chairs and knocking down tables in a restaurant in a West End town. Call the police. There's a madman around. Running down underground to a dive bar in a West End town.
0: Oh, it's so good. I I saw a thing also about how he was very influenced by early hip hop. And one of his favorite songs that this was some not exactly based on but influenced by was um, don't push me because I'm close to the edge Grandmaster flash what's the name of the song
1: running a blank
0: over here yeah no that's that's one of them oh gosh anyway I'll put pl- I'll play a clip of that
1: yeah I'm not too well versed in the early uh, rap type songs except for I'm not either I could I could uh, Give you all the lyrics for Nucleus Jam on it, or uh,
0: I think you'd know this one because I actually I, know I don't it. know anything about hip hop either, but this one I actually do know. So yeah, don't push me because I'm close to the edge.
1: Like okay, well I I would know two turntables and a and mic. You know that's that's sure. what I would know. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. So there you go. Um, okay, what's the chorus? In a West End town, a dead end world, the East End boys and West End girls. In a West End town, a dead end world, the East End boys and the West End girls. West End girls. Bop, 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 bop.
0: I have to say, I find that really clever, the combination of West End, East End, and Dead End. I think it's just clever songwriting on Neil's part. What is this song about? Well,. It's a little bit cryptic, I think. That's kind of why we're going through these lyrics. Um, It is a little cryptic. Um, It seems to be about dance club culture and opposites attracting. But it's also, you know, he's got that (laughs) gangster movie reference, Dream with the gun in their hand. And so let's, let's continue on. Let's continue on. Okay. What's the next verse? Too many
1: shadows, whispering voices faces on posters too many choices if when why what how much have you got
0: i keep thinking it has to do with drugs if the song is you know because there's drugs play such a huge part in the dance club culture and you know in the west end of London, that's where all the dance clubs were. They could be seedy. There were also sex clubs. That's where people would go for shopping for anything they wanted, whether it was clothes or what, sex gear. Go to or- a sex club for shopping? No, no. They're all in the same part of town.
1: Okay. Oh, okay. So you okay. could
0: shop for like, that's probably where Rob Halford went to get his leather and studs. Symbols of sadomasochism in the gay community. <laughs> if you remember that story. Um, yeah, so... That's, that's all happening in the same part of town. Drugs were readily available, and so like I think this line is they're negotiating for working out sex, working out drugs, some combination of the two. And here's
1: one of the great things about music, and a lot of songwriters have said this, that—and they don't like to always say what a song is about because they want you to come to your own conclusion— because songs can mean something to one person, and it can mean something else to another person, depending on what they have gone through in their life and what they're going through now. And that's kind of, I think that maybe that's what means something to you this way, it can mean something to somebody else.
0: Do you hear it differently? Do you, do you find a different interpretation?
1: I have never really tried to interpret this song. I have not. Okay. To me, it it was always about West End girls and how hey these chicks are hot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, continuing on in in the continuing lyrics here. On. Okay, <clears throat> have you got it? Do you get it? If so, how often? Which do you choose? A hard or soft option?
0: I think it's also drugs. I also saw some people saying that it could refer to sort of the fluid sexuality of whoever wanted to be with somebody in that particular moment do you want to go if you're a guy do you want to go be with another guy or do you want to be with a woman that's the hard and soft option but i think i like the drug angle more like do you want harder drugs like heroin or do you want softer drugs like weed or something
1: i like to think that it's these chicks are hot
0: these chicks are hot (laughs) but they also like to take drugs while they're dancing in a west end town
1: a dead-end world The East End Boys and West End Girls. In a West End town, a dead end world. The East End Boys and West End Girls. West End Girls. West End Girls. You got a heart of glass or a heart of stone? Just you wait till they get you home. We've got no future. We've got no past. Here today, built to last. In every city and every nation, from Lake Geneva to the Finland station.
0: Read the first one again. I love that line.
1: You got a heart of glass or a heart of stone? Just you wait till I get you home.
0: I love that. Just you wait till I get you alone.
1: I, and I also read I read somewhere that um, he was playing live in the last couple of years, and he changed the Lake Geneva to, to the Finland Station lyrics to match a little bit more from the whole Ukraine thing mm-hmm. with the... Uh, Russia invading Ukraine, and he, he put in a couple of Ukraine cities in, when he was singing that live. Right. And Finland Station is in Russia.
0: Yes, it's in St. Petersburg. And that's where the Germans smuggled Lenin in to St. Petersburg. And that station, during the beginning of the Russian Revolution. That's crazy that Neil would just throw that <laughs> into a little pop song. This makes it very erudite and uh, historical. That's cool.
1: Also, the song's lyrics uh, are concerned with class and the pressure of inner city life, and it was inspired in part by the T.S. Eliot poem, The
0: Wasteland. Did you read that or listen to it? No. T.S. Eliot? No, I did not. I did, actually. And I'm not going to pretend I understood it, but I think what they're referring to is it's sort of the way it jumps around from different narrators and different sort of thematic materials throughout. Um, So I think that could be what he's playing with also.
1: What's amazing to me is that there is not one instrument on this song that is a real instrument. (laughs) Everything is all digital. Even the girl's voice, you know, it was flown in with the emulator. Oh, right. But, uh, I mean, they sang this and that was actual real instruments, their voices, but everything else, cowbell, trumpet, even the trumpet wasn't real. Strings, drums, everything, all samples. And this was 1986?
0: I mean, that's kind of par for the course at the time.
1: Yeah, I mean, that was that way in a lot of 80s songs.
0: Even the Fairlight, they talk about that on the Rick Astley song. Like, it was cooler, considered cooler, (laughs) to have a sampled guitar played from the keyboard. than you could have just easily walked in the other room and grabbed a real guitar. But nope, it was cooler to have it on the emulator, you know? And everything was that way. Like you said, it'd be cool to have them do like a, a, a modernized version with all real instruments and see what that's like. Yeah, that would be cool. That would be my homework. I'll produce a version of it. <laughs> yeah, produce do Like one. an acapella vocal and then fly that into my own version of the song.
1: But I've always loved this, and so have I. you know, I think I loved it when I was going to dances, and this song would come on. Oh, I'm gonna go find some girl. And I'm gonna get out on the dance floor. This is one of those songs that I used to get excited about going out and dancing to. And I don't know why. Because these chicks are hot. That's right. Can't argue with that. But it was a, it was a fun song. I thought, you know, and I certainly never looked into the lyrics to see what it was talking about.
0: And even if you had, we probably wouldn't have guessed, uh, you know, Russian Revolution.
1: How old was I in 86? 15? 15. Yeah, I I didn't care about that.
0: (laughs) All you knew is those chicks were hot, and let's, let's dance. That's right. I think Neil doesn't really get his due as a songwriter. I think he is really sharp and really, really clever and really sort of economical, I guess I'd like to call him. He can say a lot in such a small amount of time. Look at the song, It's a Sin. Do you know It's a Sin? Yeah. There's a line in there about, In school, they taught me how to be so pure in thought and word and deed, they didn't quite succeed. I mean, that's like less than 10 seconds, and how brilliant is that? You know, it's funny when.
1: You know, I knew that The Pet Shop Boys had a, had a few hits. Mm-hmm. But most people would think that they were a one-hit wonder with West End Girls and that was it. Yeah. You know, they don't remember It's a Sin or Opportunity. Opportunities. But I was reading about this. They had like 40 songs that that charted. Oh my gosh. Maybe not all in the US, but they had a lot of stuff. They continued on for a long time.
0: To this very day. Yeah. Yeah, if you look through Spotify, their list of albums and remixes and everything is gigantic. <laughs> oh, man. Just to get back to this album. And this is their first album, their first album, so you have to go all the way to the back.
1: This was right in the middle of the 12-inch remixes and all
0: that. Great album. The album is called Please, 1986. And if
1: you get a chance, and you know, we'll put the link for the Bobby Orlando version on here, too. Yes. It's, it's worth yes. a listen.
0: Yep. We'll obviously put both versions in the uh, episode notes, so you can click through and find those. What's your song
1: for the cover your ears for this? Give my time, give my
0: cover your ears. Before I reveal the actual cover your ears version i wanted to give a couple honorable mentions (laughs) one of them was by the band guar that's the first one i found most of the cover versions of this song are like synth players saying here's how to play west end girls on your synthesizers and here's what synths they used there's a million versions of that which i we weren't interested in for this for these purposes for this (laughs) segment of the show so there's the Guar version, which is terrible, and they got all the chords wrong and the melody wrong, and you wouldn't even barely recognize it. So I was like, okay, pass. Uh, there's a Swedish girl band called Type R, which did a great version. They kind of rocked it up just a little bit. It's very good. Uh, there's a band called Players, sorry, Prayers. <laughs> Can't read my own writing. Uh, their version was also unrecognizable. It's kind of techno version. Um, so then the one that I actually found, this one I will play a little bit of, it's, it's by a guy named Brian Molko and a girl named Fiona Bryce. In a West end town, a dead end world The east end boys and the western
1: girls In a western town, a dead end
0: world The east end boys and west end west end town, the, the western girls west end girls I love that version, and it's probably my favorite, but I think it doesn't capture the spirit of the song exactly, because the song is sexy and smooth, but it's also seedy, and this version is not any of those things. It's just heartbreakingly beautiful, so it doesn't qualify for Cover Your Ears. So the actual Cover Your Ears version is by a band called (laughs) Boo Boos. All stars and boo boos is spelled B O O B O O apostrophe Z Z <laughs> Z. It's a, a reggae band.
1: Okay. And <laughs> how, how many views does this have? This has got 26,000 views on oh, it. okay. Okay. All right. Here we go. Oh,
0: I forgot to look at that. So far, it's similar, but it will change very soon.
1: I rear, Rayman. Re, Sometimes better off dead. This is a gun in your head. It's finding out your head.
0: think you, man. To one stable. Kicking in chairs and knocking down tables in the restaurant in the western town. Call the police.
1: There's a man around walking down on the ground. I like that scent in the background. Yeah. Yeah. In a western town and
0: then I went. Come on, say West and girls!
1: That's a f that's a funny song. It's it's actually not bad.
0: I also gonna say that. It's it's I, I don't hate it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Too many shadows, whispered reddened voices, faces on the pastes, too many choices. If, when, why and why, how much have you I can kind of do without the stoner, oh, yeah, yeah, that kind of, that guy. I can do without that. But I think the singer guy has a really good voice, and it actually goes into a long guitar solo at the end, which is also really, really well played. So, yeah, the band is good. The drums, it's kind of a cool, cool groove. I mean, the bass line, they, they stayed uh, pretty uh, pretty close to the actual like tempo and the bass line and all that of the actual song.
1: And they're called Boo-Boo's All-Stars? Boo-Boo's
0: All-Stars. That's funny. Yeah, I don't know where they're from. I'm guessing they're from England. That's kind of what the uh, rapper guys sounded like. (laughs) Jeez. I'm not sure. I should have looked that up. So I guess the Guardian magazine, or newspaper in Britain, voted this song the number one British, number one song of all time. Get out of town. <laughs> yeah, I I love the
1: song. Even over Mister Moonlight by the Beatles.
0: Yeah, even over that. Yeah, oh, I might have I might have gone with the Beatles on that one. <laughs> Maybe Radiohead. I don't think I would have put as much as I love Pet Shops. I don't think I could have put them even in the top ten.
1: Yeah, that's uh, crazy. But uh, isn't that a weird one? Yeah, it is yeah. weird.
0: I listened to an article about that, and the guy said he knew he was being controversial when he chose that. He's like, Well, sometimes you got to mix it up, and uh, it's a great song. You can't argue with that. He was a bit of a bomb thrower.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess. If some people just try to do something to be controversial, that just doesn't make any sense.
0: So, yeah, eventually, I guess, with all the, despite all the gangster references and the, uh, you know, the Russian Revolution and all the drugs and stuff. It's it's really just about, you know, the west end of London is the posh bit, and the east end of London is where all the poor people and the immigrants live for the most part. And so this is about the culture mixing and people hooking up and getting together and opposites attracting. And it's about a bunch of rough boys getting a bit of posh. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that.
1: Yes, I did read that. (laughs) And we know that I know who Posh Spice is. We do. What's our movie tonight?
0: Our movie tonight is... Also from 1984... Beverly Hills Cop. You know what we should do before... Just before moving on. Uh, We should when someone requests a song we should have them request a movie too okay because i think this is a weird choice for a mix i wouldn't have chosen this movie to go with this really don't think it matters i know not really but this is just this is a movie about a black cop from detroit who
1: goes to beverly hills and who is in it eddie murphy eddie murphy and it makes for hilarity
0: and judge reinhold
1: and the other guy with a mustache I don't know what his name was.
0: Paul Reiser was in this. Oh, he was. He got got killed? Uh, No, that wasn't him. uh, Did he get killed? I don't think so. He was one of the cops in Detroit.
1: Okay, that's right. So I love this movie because, well, not just because, I I thought it was hilarious. I did not see it when it first came out because I was too young, way too young. But I remember my parents watching it and they brought me downstairs and wanted me to see this scene with him riding in the back of the truck when it's crashing oh, through all the stuff yeah, at the very they beginning. thought it was hilarious or good or something and they wanted me to see that but other than that I had not seen this movie until years later but I, I always loved the song that's a funky song the Axel F theme yeah the soundtrack is great by Harold Faltermeyer,
0: and I have it on vinyl of course oh, so I knew you would that's so funny here's our drinking game do Never you have
1: the Beverly Hills Cop uh, soundtrack yeah that's funny. So some of the other movies he did, he actually did the Top Gun theme with Stevie Stevens playing guitar over it.
0: Steve Stevens, right, right. I didn't know Harold Faltermeyer wrote that. I thought Steve Stevens wrote
1: it. No, uh, he probably. Well, he probably wrote the guitar part, but I don't know. Uh, Fletch, which is. One of my favorite movies. I know you don't like it, but we're going to do that on here. I love that movie, just so you know.
0: I just think Chevy Chase is such a penis, and I just... So... And everybody thinks so, and I just never have thought he's funny.
1: So anyway, Fletch, which really, this movie reminds me of Fletch, the way that they use Harold Faltermeyer in it. So, like... When Axel Foley's driving around, or when Fletch is driving around, they're playing the Fletch song or the Axel Foley song. It's just really, really similar to that if you watch these movies together.
0: I haven't watched that movie in 40 years, but... Um, I did listen to the theme song because you mentioned that too when we were sort of talking about this. You're like, "Oh, uh-huh. I'm listening to the theme." So I pulled up the theme, and yeah, it's absolutely sounds just like this.
1: <laughs> so I know some people that listen to this are. Uh, I know we haven't really talked about the movie much yet because I'm still talking about Harold Fultimer here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, Roland Jupiter Eight <laughs> is the saw lead on this. Okay. Uh, A Mogue plays the bass line. Cool. A Roland JX-3P. Do you know what that is? I have one. Ah, excellent. Yes. That's the brasses in this. Uh, no. And a uh, marimba. You've got to guess this one. Probably DX-7. Absolutely, you're correct. Thank and you. And a lindrum lin- for the drums. So Beverly Hills Cobb very funny movie and it's kind of like this guy that's out of his out of his element in and he's a black guy and he's in beverly hills with all these rich people and he's ruffling people's feathers
0: we should probably tell why he goes to beverly hills in the first place
1: well his friend gets shot and his friend had been in beverly hills and kind of stole some german bearer bonds and so he goes to
0: beverly hills the guy who got shot was Axel's friend and right. he was talking to Axel. He showed up at his apartment and they were just talking and having a good time. And he said, Oh, I've been working in Beverly Hills at an art gallery run by Jenny Summers. And Axel's like, Oh yeah, Jenny Summers. I remember her. And it's uh, From when, high
1: school. after
0: he got killed, Axel went to Beverly Hills to seek her out to try to find out what happened to his friend.
1: Yeah, and immediately he gets in trouble with the Beverly Hills police station. Right, right. And so they he the chief of police, or I guess the captain of the police squad there, sends two people to kind of tag him uh, as he's in Beverly Hills, and all kind of hilarity ensues, and it's just a funny movie.
0: I don't know. I don't love this movie. Um, it's not really my bag. The whole rogue cop plays by his own rules and gets sent to a new place where they have, you know, that everything is strictly by the book, you know, and the hijinks ensue. Well, come on.
1: It's not like it's some, it's just a funny movie. Did you like Beverly Hills Cop 2?
0: I don't know if I ever saw it.
1: That movie was great, Cause, too. Because, I mean,
0: I didn't love the first one, so. <laughs>
1: okay. And then Beverly Hills Cop 3 is there was a three? shot at Paramount's Great America. Is there really a 3? yes it wasn't that good
0: i didn't even know that
1: but the scenes from paramount's great america were funny oh, okay and we have we have been there when we were younger
0: so yeah no i didn't love the movie it's okay i guess i can put my own judgment of it aside and say that i think most people would like it because yeah eddie murphy's got a great presence and he's he's just a great character morning officers which y'all, the second team We're the first team. Yeah, we're not going to fall for a banana in the tailpipe. You're not going to fall for the banana in the tailpipe? (laughs) It should be more natural, brother. It should flow out like this. Look, man, I ain't falling for no banana in my tailpipe. See, that's more natural for us. You've been hanging out with this dude too long.
1: (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm just f***ing with you. That's funny to me, sorry.
0: He also has a really weird laugh. (laughs) 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 Yeah, it's funny yeah yeah it's it's the movie has its moments I'll, I'll, I'll give it that
1: yeah I know it's no My Dinner with Andre it is definitely not My Dinner with Andre <laughs> but I think I it's funny I love My Dinner with Andre and as a comedy you don't want some great story they're just funny movies you laugh out loud at them have a sometimes, good time sometimes sometimes So like, I love Fletch I think it's a great movie alright we're gonna have you to you don't them. like it yeah we will have to do
0: that <laughs> yeah, and then we can like long distance arm wrestle or something to see yeah, there who you wins. Go. But I I
1: think Beverly Hills Cop is is a good movie, and I think it's actually quite clever. And I think it was they had a fourteen million dollar budget, and four million went to Eddie Murphy. So I think they really wrote this with Eddie Murphy in mind. He, you know, he was just getting done with with Saturday Night Live when he filmed this, and it's kind of one of his first forays out into the movie business.
0: May I help you? Yes. I'm looking for Victor Maitland. Uh, you
1: realize that this is a
0: members-only club? Mm-hmm, but I have to talk to Victor. It's very, very important. Are you sure it's Victor Maitland you want? Oh, yes. Victor Maitland, the gray-haired gentleman, very dark-skinned Capricorn. Victor. Um, well, why don't you give me the message, and I'll take it to him. Okay, I guess I can do that. Um, tell Victor that Ramon the fellow he met about a week ago, tell him that um, Ramon went to the clinic today and I find out that I have um, herpes simplex 10. And I think Victor should go check himself out with his physician to make sure everything is fine before things start falling off on the man. Uh, perhaps you better tell him that. Have you ever seen Trading Places? Yes. I'd like to do that one too. I like that movie a lot. Oh, that's a good movie
1: yeah see what were some of the ones that he did he did trading places best defense which he agrees was a movie that sucked real bad
0: (laughs) coming to america that was great
1: yeah coming to that was way later and that but yeah that was great
0: Yeah, yeah yeah eddie murphy beverly hills cop and he put out an album remember the album he put out the song party all the time
1: You know, it's funny, he was actually a musician before he was a comedian.
0: Hmm. I thought it was the other way around.
1: No, he was a musician beforehand. And so he got into comedy because he could make money quickly that way, you know, because of his talents. But when he went in and did that song party all the time, that was not like new hat to them, him. That was old hat. He had been doing musical stuff for years. Hmm. It's kind of funny. That album is really weird.
0: I didn't, I never listened to the album. It's really a downer. Like you'd think it wouldn't be because of who he is. But all the songs are really like depressing. (laughs) Even Hmm. Party All the Time is kind of downbeat. My girl likes to party all the time, party all the time, party all the time. I remember it. Down in the West End doing drugs. These chicks are hot. These chicks are hot.
1: So, if you have not had a chance to listen to some of our other shows, surprisingly, the Rick Astley <laughs> one is trending really quickly to be, I mean, it's like our number four show right now. It's only been out two weeks. It's crazy. Uh, another uh, podcast actually did the Rick Astley show as well. We had nothing to do with that. Yeah, didn't even but know. They, they they did it at the exact same time, and... I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but uh, we had a lot of people listen to the Rick Astley. Yeah, that's kind of funny. I mean, not that we... um, But when I was talking last week about Run Riot by Def Leppard and how it sounds like that song by... The Cure. The Cure. I went back and looked. They came out almost at the same time, so they obviously recorded these songs completely separate from each other and... (laughs) They sound like each other, (laughs) so nobody ripped anybody off. Here all these years, I thought Def Leppard was ripping off the cure, but nope, just a weird, weird, what's my word I'm looking for? Weird, weird coincidence.
0: Yeah, I was trying to think of, you know, like, where there's two types of evolution, and they happen at the same time in different places. That's what I was trying to think of. Divergent evolution, I think is what it's called.
1: So Rick Astley... We talk about Def Leppard,
0: Police. Paul McCartney.
1: Oh, we've got all kinds. Just take a look at us on Spotify. Uh, I think we're 16, 17 episodes in. We're really just getting started. We're going to do all kinds of songs from the 80s.
0: We have another one in our four-part heavy metal series that isn't quite getting as much love as we thought it would, and it's called Great White Lion, Snake, and the Grunge Revolution. So we'd say, you know, check that one out. And it's
1: about when all of the grunge bands, or I mean, when all the heavy metal bands, I mean, you had Great White, White Lion, White Snake. (laughs) All at the same time. Three snakes that are white. Actually, the first one wasn't a snake, but um, all the bands started sounding the same, and then Nirvana comes along and says, oh, we're going to change this, and then they completely changed, and all the heavy metal stuff went right down into the toilet. That's a great episode. I love that episode.
0: I do, too. It's super interesting.
1: Not getting a lot of hits on that, but uh, take a listen to it. Drop us a line. Tell us what you think. Maybe it's no good. I don't know.
0: Yeah, and since this was a uh, request, we'd like to thank Mike for requesting thank you mike uh, pet shop boys song
1: we have a website now tapeheadspod.com if you go there there's links to all of our episodes you can email us you can leave messages you can follow us it's all there and tapeheadspod.com
0: yeah thanks for listening we appreciate it see you next time